Welcome, and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. It's Palm Sunday when we remember Jesus making his entry into Jerusalem. What does this day mean for us today? Here's First Pres Executive Coordinator Jenny Sung to help us see how similar things are today compared to 2,000 years ago. One of my favorite board games is Taboo. Do you know that one, Taboo? I might have seen that in the chat, maybe, go by. It's where people have to guess like a target word, right? You have to describe it without using any of these words. They're called taboo words. So for example, if your target word is Thanksgiving, you're describing Thanksgiving to a group of people, but you can't say these words, these taboo words. Like you can't say turkey or stuffing or family or gobble. And if you say any of those words, you lose that round. I'll never forget the time when my husband was describing Thanksgiving and he paused for a very long time and he said two words, festive, poultry. Now, would you have guessed Thanksgiving from that? Now, if Palm Sunday was like a taboo game, the taboo words for this passage would be like you wouldn't be able to say palm branches or donkey or Jesus or Jerusalem or Hosanna. Well, we are going to talk through those words today. Because Palm Sunday is one of the most important days we remember as Christians. All of the four Gospels in the Bible record this event of Jesus riding into Jerusalem, all four. Palm Sunday is truly a significant day. It's the first day of Holy Week where Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the back of a young donkey, a colt. And like this origami piece, you'll see a scene unfolding where crowds of people are praising Jesus and placing their hope in him as the mighty king who would deliver them from struggle and restore justice. Jesus did indeed come to be our hope and deliverer, but the full truth unfolded in this eternal timeline that restored uh, justice and eternity for everyone. You know, Jesus didn't just come as the mighty conqueror that they expected for that time, but instead he came as a suffering servant, giving his life for the sake of the entire world and he gives us eternal hope that we can hold on today. Our passage comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. Now you'll see the words go up on the screen there, and I want us to read this together. You know, you might be standing or maybe you're sitting, but let's read the Word of God together. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's coal. At first, his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's the last week Jesus was on earth, 
and going into Jerusalem. He rides a young donkey into the city, and there are massive crowds waving palm branches, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, for some of us who maybe didn't grow up in a church, this scene might sound kind of bizarre. I mean, why were people waving palm branches? And, and what's the deal with the donkey? And why were people shouting Hosanna? So let's dive into this context and, and see what's happening. The beginning of this passage talks about a festival, which is Passover, the most holy feast of the Passover time, when some say over a quarter million households would flock to Jerusalem to celebrate and remember their freedom from slavery. In the Old Testament, Moses led the Jews out of Egypt, called the Exodus out of Egypt, into the land that God promised them. This is a big deal, and they are having a huge party, a festival remembering their deliverance from slavery out of Egypt. Now, in the next several verses, you see those taboo words I described earlier, palm branches, donkey, Hosanna, Jesus. What was all this pointing towards? Now, everything mentioned here points toward the fulfillment of a messianic prophecy that the Messiah would come and save the people of Israel. You see, the Jews may have escaped Egypt, but now they were living under the control of another oppressive regime, the Roman government. And they were waiting for the Messiah who was going to deliver them. Author and scholar N.T. Wright describes the Jewish people talking about this new exodus, that God is going to deliver Israel by mighty acts within their history and bring the people through their great trials to vindication. They were saying that Jesus was the true king, come to claim his throne, and this was the moment that God would set Israel free once and for all from the control of the Roman Empire. And Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the donkey. This was also a fulfillment of messianic prophecy, referring to an Old Testament passage, Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now the people have been waiting for the Messiah and they had seen all the miracles and deeds. They, they had just heard about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. From the dead, muerto, chugosa, the dude was dead and now he was coming out with like strips of burial cloth still wrapped around his body. And they said, this is it. This is the one the prophets had declared to rescue Israel, to bring God's justice to the world. This is the guy, yes. So at the entrance of the city, they greeted Jesus just as people would have greeted like a king in victory, the waving of palm branches, which symbolized triumph and victory. In the Gospel of Matthew, it mentions that the laying of cloaks, you know, that they put down their cloaks as Jesus rode by. And these are all signs of how people would greet a king. The crowd receiving Jesus wanted him to be a victorious king. And so they shout, blessed is the king of Israel, Hosanna, Hosanna, which is like a shout of praise, but it actually means save us or help. So they're shouting Hosanna to address the king with their needs. I think about how Jesus must have felt riding into the scene, hearing their cries, Hosanna. There must have been compassion, you know, like when he was going through the towns and villages earlier. In the book of John, were, he was healing every disease and sickness. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 36, it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, 
he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That day on Palm Sunday, there were shouts from the crowd that blended together in praise and cries of deliverance from the day of trouble. Hosanna, save us, Hosanna, from the daily struggle. They longed for their deliverer to rescue them. And I think we can all relate to cries, right? Especially during this time in this last year. Do you know that it was one year ago this month when the pandemic first hit our state of Hawaii? That was March 6, 2020. By March 23rd, our state had announced stay-at-home orders. The University of Hawaii had canceled in-person classes and went remote. All athletic events were canceled. All businesses, except those deemed essential, were closed. And all the city parks and beaches were shut down. By April 3rd, the governor had called on the Hawaii National Guard to assist with the pandemic. And by April 13th, the total number of cases surpassed 500 and nine people had already died. This last year in waiting through shutdowns and uncertainty, in isolation and loss, maybe even loss of life, events in our nation and the world and trials and suffering, most of us have struggled harder and deeper than we can ever remember. For me, I have to confess I had hit such a low point last year that I found myself on the Kaiser website filling out a depression self-assessment test and I scored moderately depressed. I even went back and I tried to take the test several times to just kind of change my score to slightly depressed. And I know that sounds foolish. Yes, that was me. The fact was I was experiencing new waves of grief and sadness from the death of my husband. And I struggled to cope with the emotions that were just spilling out. And even though my husband had passed away three years ago, there were these new and unexpected feelings of grief and regret that surfaced. I never felt that before. And uh, I lost my appetite and I stopped eating. It became harder to focus and juggle my home and the kids and seminary and ministry. And what little motivation I had to study for my class just went out the window. For the first time in grad school, I missed weeks worth of assignments. But God knew, God knew in his providence to sustain me both in the practical and supernatural. Through the Holy Spirit, I experienced God's presence in prayers of lament, the Psalms in God's word and worship in song. I loved song. And through the desert, he gave me supernatural energy to finish the tasks of the day, even though it wasn't always perfect. I found grief share and a group of brothers and sisters who were walking the same path. I resumed counseling and I connected with a wonderful counselor who helped me through some traumatic issues. One of the ways that God provided a lifeline to me was actually in community. It was a band of sisters who united virtually on Zoom. We did everything from Pauhana to cooking to Zumba. And looking back, looking back at 2020, little did I realize how much of a lifeline this was to creating a safe space of community and connection during the pandemic. And little did I know that one of the sisters actually started this group as an act of obedience from God, who had called her to create a sisterhood of survival. It was a group called Virtual Survivors, and she felt a tug from God in 2020 to unite the sisters during COVID. 
When Liz shared that with me from her devotional one day, I just started crying and God was using all of us in different ways, weaving us into this beautiful tapestry of his kingdom. And as we love God, we loved one another, each thread kind of connected to one another, weaving together in this beautiful picture of redemption and healing and love. So I asked Liz, I asked if she would read her devotional with you today. Liz has a passion for social justice and serves in many different areas. She's a dear sister in Christ. Let's welcome Liz. Thank you, Jenny. Hi, everyone. My name is Liz Kane, and I've been attending First Pres for the last several years. I'm on the Alpha Leadership Team, as well as I assist on Sundays with the Red Carpet Ministry. One Sunday, Jenny and I were talking about the importance of community during the COVID-19 season. I shared with her that a while back, about 10 years ago, during a very difficult time of my life, I felt God speaking to me, encouraging me to bring women into community. It was a vision of women being vulnerable with each other, encouraging one another, and uplifting each other. I even heard God speak to me saying that we would be virtuous survivors, just as the Proverbs 31 woman is. After attempting to start the Virtuous Survivor Ministry at the time, I realized it wasn't the right timing for the ministry. Fast forward to April 2020, in the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic, I asked a few of my church sisters if they wouldn't mind one or two of them maybe having dinner with me over Zoom, of course, on a Saturday evening. I personally really enjoy having dinner and meals with community. And so living alone, that was obviously something that was very difficult. And I found myself nightly having FaceTime dinners with my parents. I love them very much, but I think they probably needed a break. So we set it up. Um, we started in May. We had our first Zoom dinner and it was wonderful. Um, it was a, just about five to seven of us gathering in community, um, breaking bread over Zoom. From there, we had bi-weekly to monthly dinners throughout the rest of the year. We did all sorts of activities like get to know you activities. We did icebreakers, singing, Korean drama nights. We celebrated birthdays and new homes and new jobs, and even completions of semesters and getting good grades. But besides sharing in joy, we also shared in our grief, loneliness, pain, and struggles. We prayed for one another, and often we watched church services together with Zoom and texting, um, and even collaborated on watching Ash Wednesdays and Good Fridays together in community online. It was the sister tribe, as we coined ourselves, that became honestly my favorite part of 2020. We are continuing with activities into 2021. We've been trying something new like Zoom cooking tutorials. It's really fun. 
We always encourage one another also to invite a friend or a sister to come and join us. And what started as maybe five to seven ladies on the original invite list is now a list of maybe 20 or more women. We are building community with one another. We're discipling, healing, encouraging, and uniting as women of God. We are teaching and learning from each other. I realize this month, this is the true form of ministry. We don't do a lot of preparation for these Zoom meetings, so it's very organic. It's more being a Mary than a Martha. We come together and we just show up to be real, to be authentic, and to be vulnerable with one another. As we listen and love on each other, we learn that we have more threads in common with each other despite our differences in perhaps our age, our ethnicities, our backgrounds, and sometimes our beliefs. But we come together as one body made up of virtuous survivors. Liz, thank you so much for sharing that beautiful vision God gave you. God gives us the lifeline of community, and as we come together, He connects us all in this beautiful tapestry of His kingdom. Now, there's a wonderful story that Corey Ten Boom shares about a piece of embroidery, and that's why I keep talking about tapestry. Corrie Ten Boom was a missionary and a Holocaust survivor. Her family had helped many of the Jews escape from the Nazis during World War II, and by hiding them in her home before she and her sister were discovered and they were placed in concentration camps. When invited to speak at different places, she would often bring this blue cloth of embroidery with her to kind of show people. And on the back, were hundreds of tangled threads hanging down from it. And many wondered if she was holding up the wrong side by mistake. It looked messy and knotted and ugly like chaos. But look at the beautiful picture on the other side, the right side, she said, and she would flip the cloth over and reveal an extravagantly embroidered crown, symbolizing our crown of eternal life. Although the threads of my life have often seemed knotted, she said, I know by faith that on the other side of this embroidery, there is a crown. And when the threads of our lives seem knotted and messy and chaotic, know that God is embroidering a crown. He's working in us. And as we come together and build up one another, as we move in faith and respond to his prompting, he weaves all of our threads together, redeeming us and bringing us together to create a brilliant picture of God's kingdom. Over 2,000 years ago, on Palm Sunday, Jesus stepped into Jerusalem knowing what he would face. He knew that some in the crowd had come curious to see who had raised Lazarus from the dead. He knew people wanted him to be a conquering king, not a suffering servant. He knew the hardened heart of the Pharisees who would reject him and actually want to kill him, and they wanted to kill Lazarus too. He knew that the shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, would only days later be shouts of crucify him, crucify him, 
And still, he stepped into the crowd and into the city to face betrayal and injustice and rejection, abandoned and all alone. The one who knew no sin took on the weight of all sin and was nailed to a cross in the most significant act in eternity through his death and resurrection. Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God into our world. And just like 2,000 years ago, our world today, maybe it's not too different from that crowd on Palm Sunday. There are those who might come as a spectator, you know, watching, not really believing. Maybe there's a miracle, I'll check it out. There are those who have all these expectations of Jesus with our own agenda, you know, our bidding. We want him to do what we want and just be the conqueror and move everybody out of the way. There are those who reject Jesus and would just make fun of anybody who follows Jesus. And in parts of the world, there are those who are persecuted for following Jesus. But follower or not, Jesus rode into Jerusalem, unfolding the events of Holy Week that day, and he gave his life for everyone, the entire extent of all of humanity. The Bible says he first loved us that he gave his life as a ransom. So it wasn't just for the beloved disciples, the people who liked him, not just for his family or maybe the crowd who was cheering him on. No, it was much, much more than that. Jesus rode into Jerusalem that day for the redemption of all humankind for the rest of time. In the last part of our passage, we see that people continue to spread the word about Jesus because of what they had heard and seen with Lazarus. And so this passage ends with like the streaming out, spreading out of God's miracle of Lazarus. The Pharisees just can't stand it, right? In fact, they're so upset that they're going to kill him. I'm always intrigued at how often people will go and like spread, spread after like they encounter Jesus. It's like they can't help themselves. You know, from the shepherds, you know, at Jesus' birth to the followers on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection, like they're always going forth and they share what's happening. You know, I have to confess that sharing has not always been my thing. I mean sharing about God, sharing the gospel. Not my lunch or my mochi, I mean I love sharing my food, but sharing the gospel. You know, I have non-Christian friends who know that, you know, I'm a lay pastor and I work for the church and to this day I still find it kind of sometimes awkward to talk about God, you know, deeply. I don't like to impose my thoughts on others or make people feel weird or uncomfortable. I don't know. But I will share this one story with you as we end. And it's not because I want to toot my horn. No, if anything, I can't even understand what's going on. And, and I only say this because I want to encourage you that when God prompts you, you know, when you see miracles happening, maybe not to the level of like a Lazarus, but when you sense God's presence, and is prompting and is nudging. Will you move into it? Just maybe like one tiny step. Move into sharing what Jesus means to you, even if it's just one small step. Take one step of courage and pray, pray about it, and then move as God leads. As some of you know, I'm taking my sabbatical this summer in Korea. And my um, conversational skills in Korean are like moderate. I really lack the vocabulary to express like my thoughts. And so it's really like elementary student level. One day I found this language app 
which tests your vocabulary and it also connects you with people who are learning languages from all over the world. And so, you know, I signed up and you have to like put in this bio of yourself with your target language. And I started really liking this app because it was like Facebook. People were posting like pictures of food and about their culture, the streets and pictures of the city. People were singing on it like karaoke and they were correcting grammar and helping one another. It was just crazy. And as I met other Christians on this app, they encouraged me to put in my bio that I was a pastor because they always asked me like, what do you do? And so I was like, oh, I'm a pastor at a church. And they were like, you should put that in because other people might have questions about God. And when I did, things started to happen. I started getting questions about the Bible, about God, about the New Testament and Old Testament and questions about what is the soul and will I go to hell if I don't go to church and why is Jesus called the son of man and how is the Quran different than the Bible and oh my goodness, it was like I was thrown into the deep end of the pool and I felt like this digital missionary, you know, I was like reading all this scripture and trying to put my alpha facilitating skills to the test. I was praying for healing for this person who had chronic illness and I got to meet another widow and tell them about grief share. And one day I got this message from someone in China saying that they read I was a pastor and they had some questions about God. In elementary school, this person was taught that Christianity was superstition. And as they were growing up, they just couldn't believe that anymore. There had to be more, there had to be a God. So we started having conversations and I tried to send the YouTube videos of Alpha it's blocked in China. YouTube is blocked. And so then I sent like Vimeo, that's blocked too. I sent the Bible Project blocked. I tried sending all these things, Bible Gateway, nothing. And so many of the sites were being blocked. I asked if this person had a Bible and said, no, there are no Bibles in any bookstore in this small, small town. So after a while, I prayed. I was asking, God, what do I do? And I just took a small step of courage and I said, do you have Zoom? They were like, yeah. So on one Saturday morning with our cameras off, we logged onto Zoom and I screen shared the first video of Alpha. Is there more to life than this? And there were a lot of questions and a lot of comments and a lot of sharing. And afterwards I asked, can I pray for you on anything? And there was, just a rich time of prayer, prayer for the family and someone who was recovering from an illness. I prayed for the Holy Spirit to fill them. And the next day, wanted to Zoom again, and so we watched the second video, Who is Jesus? And we are now on the third video, Why did Jesus have to die? And they want to come back next weekend to talk about it some more and ask questions. And I've been able to show the first video of Alpha to another person in Bangladesh and answering questions in India. And I honestly don't know what will happen. The story is still in progress as all of our stories are. I only share this as one tiny step of encouragement that if God is opening any doors in your life, that if God is prompting you in any way, in one small step of obedience, take it, take it, pray, lean into God and take that one tiny step and know that he is with you. Today is Palm Sunday, 2021, and it was one year ago that on Palm Sunday, 2020, Pastor Dan stood in the front of his kitchen in his home, right there in the middle of the shutdown. He talked about the virus and how we can all feel like the enemy is all around us. But then he reminded us that this can be a time when we can press into God even more, grow in him even more. 
And he asked, is it still about Jesus? Can we let Jesus into the Jerusalem of our hearts? Is it still about the Lord? And so I ask the same question today, one year later. Is Jesus still the Lord of our lives? Have we let him into the Jerusalem of our hearts? Is it still about Jesus? And I admit, some of us have felt so overwhelmed that it's difficult to even answer that question right now. And that's okay. God knows where you are and he doesn't condemn or play with guilt. That's the enemy, not God. God will simply join you where you are. And just like Jesus who stepped into the noisy, crowded streets of Jerusalem, he comes to offer you his love, his comfort, and eternal life with him. And if you're out there and you just want to pray right now to ask Jesus to be with you, all it takes is a simple prayer. Just in your heart, you just repeat this prayer. And if there's any of you who want to today, at the beginning of Holy Week on Palm Sunday, just rededicate your life to Jesus, go ahead and say this prayer as well. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for dying for our sins. I invite you into my life and into my heart. I'm sorry for all the ways that I've rejected you and turned away from you. And I want to take the step of faith and live life with you. I want to trust in you alone. So will you help me? Will you fill me with your Holy Spirit and guide me? Make me the person you want me to be and help me to love others with your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, let us know by pressing the button and asking for prayer. You know, it's good to pray with someone else and let them know of your commitment or recommitment to Jesus. And we're all here as one community, woven together in God's beautiful tapestry. As we close, let's focus our hearts and minds on Jesus as we worship him. Pray for more of Jesus, that our hearts can cry out, give me Jesus. When I rise, give me Jesus. We want to follow him in all that we do. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a wonderful Palm Sunday. God bless you. There's no doubt the pandemic has created havoc around the world over the last year. But our pathways to God, like Jenny's quiet online evangelism, still remain. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Normally, we gather on Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times. Sunday morning at 8, 9.30 and 11.11 for First Prez and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, daily devotionals and our plans to reopen for in-person worship. 
If you have any questions or needs, you can reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.